Lund, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away, whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoyling. DeCam says, give me that, a pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way, bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around, corner, pocket, cash for Lund. They are always ones who are in the thick of it in the February frenzy, and that is the goal once more this year for the Minnesota Morris Cougars women's basketball program. But the dream is in the process. We will get there soon enough. So pleased to once more welcome back onto the pod head coach of the Cougars, Tim Grove. Coach, thanks so much for joining, Wyatt and I. How are you doing as we are getting oh so close to the season beginning once more? Guys, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I always appreciate it. Loyal listener of you guys, so love what you do. And yeah, things are good. You know, we haven't lost a game yet, so everybody's optimistic and things are looking rosy and uh, we're just anxious to get things going. I love that. No one's lost a game yet. Everyone says their team's looking great, I hope. And uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, right. a, it's a nice time of year. We know uh, that'll change at some point. But starting off, Coach, just a softball for you. Give us uh, maybe a highlight or a few on your off season. I know you've listened to the conversations we've had already with coaches. But before we you know, dive deep into the X's and O's, if you will, and what will happen this coming season, what was a, a highlight or two from your off season trying to get away from the game a little bit? Sure. You know, um, just being a dad, honestly, you know, our, our summers are, are busy with, um, just kids activities and, and my kids are getting older too. You know, um, uh, my daughter now is a freshman here at the university of Minnesota Morris and, and my boys are, are 16 and 14. So they're getting a little bit older, but still busy and had an opportunity to coach their Babe Ruth team this summer in baseball, which was a lot of fun. And, and, uh, another big highlight for us every summer is, is what we call Grove weekend. It's kind of, uh, Christmas in August for the Grove family. You know, I'm, I'm one of eight kids myself. So come from a very large family and my, my folks are, are uh, doing great in their mid eighties. And, and every summer we have a weekend that we choose where everyone commits to, to be in there and being together and and that's our Grove weekend so that's always a highlight for us we're very family oriented so whenever we can get together with the whole crew we do that and and that's obviously a a big weekend for us and we have a lot of fun all the grandkids which there are what 24 of them um just on our side alone and and so we all get together and have a great time it's it's uh something that the kids just really look forward to playing with their cousins all the time and and it's just always a great time so i'd say those things um really family oriented summer and and just being able to spend time with with not only my kids but uh nieces and nephews as well as as long with you know and my siblings it's that's uh that's the great great place to be in the summertime yeah, that's what it's all about, Coach, as somebody who comes from a big family myself with cousins and siblings, and that's that, that means a lot to me to hear hear you say that, and I'm, yeah, I'm glad nothing to better. that. So, no, it really isn't. It really isn't. Um, so, I mean, I want to stay off the court, but you brought up uh, your, your daughter being at Morris now. So what has that been like so far, just as far as getting an opportunity to coach her early on here this uh, fall into the season? Yeah, you know, it, it's been great. Um, and I I think I'm someone that, that has good relationships with, 
with uh, most of my players. I was going to say all my players. I'm certainly not batting a thousand in that regard. But um, I, I, we, our program really prides itself on on building relationships and, and having a very family oriented uh, culture and environment. So um, it's nothing nothing new to me in terms of of trying to develop that uh, that relationship with with people. But you know specifically been coaching Maddie here for the last couple of weeks. It's been great. It's been great, um, you know, to, to watch her through her, her growth process as a young player and through her high school career was a lot of fun and, and rewarding. And, and this is certainly a different angle to it here. Um, having her on our roster and, and in our program, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. We'll talk plenty about uh, your team going into this year, Coach. But before we get to that point, I want to pull it back to what UMAC fans last uh, last year, if people can remember back to late February a year ago and all the snow shenanigans that took place and semifinals <laughs> yeah. being pushed from Wednesday to Friday night. And you guys find yourselves matched up with Northwestern on the road, as you know, the team that ended up winning the UMAC conference title. But what do you remember about that final week of the year, if you will, and how you guys ended last season where I mentioned off the top, but you guys are just in the same spot every year. You're right there with an opportunity to win a few games in the final week and cut down the nets in the UMAC tournament championship. What do you remember about that week? And then a part B to that question, What at what time do you put that aside? Do you not watch the film anymore and you say, all right, we got to flip the page at X time in the offseason and look ahead to the year to come, if you will? Yeah, you know, first of all, when I think of, of Northwestern and this podcast specifically, uh, I guess my question for you guys, how long do I have to hear those Kelsey Lund and BDK highlights at, the, at, at your opening here? I mean, it, it, seems, like, it, seems, like, it seems like all of those were against us. I'm sure they weren't, but it just, you know, I hear, you know, corner pocket cash for Lund. I hear that, and I think it's happened to us a hundred times, you know, and, and BDK going pick two, you know. I just think that, gosh, it it, it just happens so much against us, at least the way it feels. I'm sure most coaches in the league feel that way, but uh, that's what I think of when I think of Northwestern in this podcast specifically. It just seems like it's happened so many times. But um, going back to last year with, with Northwestern, first of all, we knew we were up against um, a really, really good basketball team. They were extremely talented, as you guys well know, um, just so very well-rounded. And I don't know if they ever really got uh, the credit defensively um, for as as good good as they were um, on that side of the floor last year, you know, uh, Northwestern in the past has run so much zone and, and they ended up being a, a really, really good man team last year. And it was just a, a kind of a different brand of basketball for them. And, and I thought they did it really, really well. Obviously they're, they're really well coached. You guys know the relationship I have with coach call and, and the, you know, the, the respect that I've got for him and, and how much I just like him as a coach and a person, but uh, we knew we were going to be up against it that night. And, and we were, you know, we were a team that, that kind of struggled to score most of the year. Um, we hung our hat on, on what we tried to do defensively and we knew we'd have to keep them, low scoring for us to have a chance and and a combination of us just just not really having the scoring punch that we needed and them being a really good defensive team and we just didn't have enough uh that night the the thing that really sticks out i think to me is we were able to make a little bit of a run um coming out of halftime but the unfortunate thing is we had just dug ourselves too big of a hole prior to that and and it was just too big of a hole to to come out of i think we opened the second half on a 7-0 run um, but I 
think that maybe got us to eight or nine points as opposed to bringing it to one or two, which would have been great. So um, that's really what I remember about that game and just how well-rounded that, uh, that that Eagle Club was last year. And I'm sure they'll be much the same this year, you know, only losing um, uh, Robbie, I think, and, and just, you know, having some some really quality depth. Uh, it's going to be much the same for that squad this year, but that's really what I remember about that game last year. I'm going to take you back off the court. You still officiating doing that? Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very busy. What, uh, what comes to mind if I were to ask you what sticks out about this fall? Is there a good game you got to do? What's a highlight? Good moment in a game? Oh man. Yeah. Um, so not only do I do high school games, but I work, our, our crew also works the, uh, the Minnesota junior college, um, league. And we had on two different opportunities, um, at that time was the number one team in the nation, DuPage college out of, uh, I think it's Wheaton, Illinois. I think they came out of, um, and they played two games in Minnesota. They were down at Rochester community college. Uh, one of the first two weeks who at the time, I think Rochester was ranked maybe fourth in the country and DuPage was one. Um, and that was a fantastic football game. I think um, it was a one score game and DuPage ending up winning that. And then a couple weeks later, they traveled back up to Wapaton, North Dakota and played NDSCS, who was at the time number two in the country. So we had games uh, this fall with the number one number one against number four and number one against number two teams in that country, which were a lot of fun to work. And uh, the talent on the on the field is is incredible, and we're just fortunate enough to be able to work those games. And, and so I'd say those two games have been uh, probably the highlights so far. I got a follow-up to that as well, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, but being that you've done both and still do both, officiate and coach, do you ever look at officials differently when you're coaching now oh. since you've gone through it? I mean, is that something you recommend for all coaches? Hey, you should officiate and just see how tough it is. Why, yes. Yes is the answer. Um, I think all coaches should officiate, and I think all officials should coach. I think there is benefit to learning from both sides of it. Um, yes, I do look at officials differently when I'm on the sideline, and and you know they're they're working our games. I absolutely do. And vice versa, when I'm on the football field working for these coaches, I understand how they feel. I understand the frustrations. Um, I understand that sometimes what they say isn't, it shouldn't be taken personally, you know. So I, I understand all those things, and, and there is absolutely a benefit to um, working both as, as an official in different capacities and coaching because I think doing both has made me better at each of them. So you're talking a little football there, Coach. I want to keep it in that realm, if you will, before we get back to the basketball floor. So in Wyatt and I's past, when we were students, we went out to the one, the only Big Cat Stadium to call yeah. a UMAC football game, Northwestern and Morris, on the road. And, you know, later on this season, maybe in the UMAC, not that we're talking UMAC football, it could be for all the marbles at Big Cat Stadium. So It sure could be. It's my lawn rambling way to ask you, is there anything that compares as far as an experience for you, whether you know, you're know you a fan in the stands or an official, I guess, is there a favorite stadium that comes to mind, whether you're experiencing it as a fan or as an official? I, why didn't I joke a lot, but we're serious. I mean, Big Cat Saturday, Big, Big Cat Saturday, Big Cat Stadium on a fall Saturday, pretty special spot. But how about a... Uh, a stadium for Wyatt and I that you really enjoy in the past, again, as a fan or an official that you really enjoy being at? Yeah. And that's a great question. And, and 
part of, of kind of the neat stuff about being a high school official is we have an opportunity to work so many different venues. You know, I've, I've had opportunities to work, uh, you know, the, um, at St. John's. I've had opportunities to work at Southwest State, St. Cloud State. Um, you know, obviously we did a, a championship game a couple years ago in U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, we worked a semifinal in the Metrodome before that came down. And so we've had all these opportunities, which has been really a, a blessing. It's been so much fun to be able to do. But it always comes back to the Fargo Dome that has been my favorite. And I think um, the reason for that is it's, it's such an intimate place. I don't know if you've ever been up to a Fargo Dome, up to the Fargo Dome for, for a football game. But, um, you know, the, the fans are, are kind of on, right on top of the field. There's not a ton of room on the sideline. And just the way it's it's oriented, it just seems like the fans are right there. So even for, you know, say a, a section final nine man game where where it might only be you know twenty percent full, it just was such a great experience. And the 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 volume of the fans and and just you know knowing that so many big games have been played there, I would have to say that that's been my favorite spot to work. Yeah, I, I uh, coach. I don't know if you remember this, but I was up in Crooks in the past two years working up there, sure. and we would call all the games for our radio station that were at the Fargo Dome: the Nine Man, the Class Two A, the Single A Championships, and I can uh, absolutely get behind that. That's a great venue, so I, I can appreciate that answer. Looking at your schedule, I've been able to say this about all the coaches we've interviewed so far. The schedule you put together, it's challenging, especially in the non-conference. Is there anything to that, or is that just kind of the way it worked out? It's crazy, and some of it, you know, the the coach in me says it's by design. You know, we want to play the best teams we can play, which we do. Um, but the other side of it is is that's just who we can play, right? I mean, we want to stay as local as we can. Concordia, games against Concordia makes so much sense for us. They're, they're an hour and 40 minutes up the road, uh, a very, very good Division three program, uh, a, a team that we can play year in and year out with, and we can get double headers with our men. That's a no-brainer, right? Same thing with, with St. Ben's. We go to the St. Ben's tournament every year. Why? Because it's great Division three games. Plus, it's you know it's an hour it's an hour and forty minutes down the road. This year, Northwestern happens to be there, so it'll be fun to to see those guys early. Um, but yeah, the schedule is very very difficult. We we have uh, some really big Division three games, schools out of the MIAC that are really good. We're playing Wisconsin River Falls, who's a really good team out of the WIAC. We play Mayville State twice every year. Uh, part of that again because they're relatively close, two and a half hours up the road. But that's also where. Where I went to school, and and Paul, my brother, the head men's coach here, he did he coached there. He was a head men's coach there for five years before coming here. So we've got connections there that that is it's always fun to go back to Mayville and 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 have them uh, come back here to Morris as well. So you know some of it is is that idea of yeah we want to play the very best teams we can, and some of it is just that's who makes sense for us because of our proximity to those schools. So um, there's a little method to the madness, but it's a very, very difficult schedule as is, as it is every single year. And it, when it comes down to it, you know, we could be, we could be 0 and 8 by the time the uh, conference season rolls around. And I think we could still have a pretty good team. That's the beauty of a uh, college sports coach and how it really does come down to the UMAC and uh, why didn't I like to say, you know, you non-conference for show, but you conference for dough because UMAC play is where you make your hay. So you can uh, wow. look forward to that a little bit later on. So, Well done. 
So talking about that team you have going into this year, Coach, you had a really talented group of upperclassmen a season ago, and you guys are in a spot this year where you do bring some back as well. But you lose Walschlager, you lose Van Kempen and some really valuable pieces, but you got a Quate back, you have a Sandral back, and then you have some young talent as well. You mentioned earlier coaching your daughter, Maddie Grove, and other pieces that fit in. How do you feel about the experience matched with maybe some inexperienced but still talented players as you look at this group for this year? Yeah, you know, a, a couple different things there. I think we're it's a it's a unique year for us in that um, you know we still have some some COVID holdovers, right? And and that's something that that when the NCAA came out with that waiver and said you know that our athletes could have a fifth year, I just didn't think that that we would have the student athletes that could take advantage of that for any number of reasons. Uh, and I'm just ecstatic that uh, both Jay Quate, Jaden Sundrill, and Maddie Smart, we have three fifth-year seniors now on this roster, which uh, is just phenomenal for us from from you know a leadership standpoint. Uh, Mal Anderson is a senior, fourth-year senior for us, who will actually be done this year. She will not be coming back for her her fifth year or, or possible because it's this year's seniors that uh, are kind of the last group now that could take advantage of that. So I really do like our, our experience in that regard. Um, these athletes have played a lot of minutes for us and, and have been tested and know what, uh, know what to expect. Uh, and along with that, I think with, with our younger players, what's pretty unique about the, the group that we brought in is, is the size that they have. You know, you mentioned um, some of the athletes we lost through graduation. Uh, you know, it was, it was Van Kempen and it was Walschlager and Grace Olson and Treek Brownotter. Well, other than Ella, that, that's a really small group. Of, of players and the three first year players we brought in are 5'11", 6 foot and 6'2". So I think from that standpoint um, we will be a, a bigger team and I think that will allow us to do uh, to continue to do what we like to do defensively and that's mix things up and and I think because of that length it'll it'll allow us to be an even better defensive team than we've than we've been in the past. I'd go back and look just to make sure but it does appear I was correct you didn't have a single player in double figures last year per game so (laughs) how how cool is that as a coach to have that depth and balance I mean I'm sure you'd like somebody to maybe be there but at the same time I mean anybody can score at any given moment I'm sure that's nice in a way yeah, and and why it's it's kind of double edged sword, right? On on one end, yes, it's nice to have um, the the idea that on any given night it could be somebody different because that's the way it was for us last year. Some nights it was Mal, some nights it was Sunny, uh, some nights it was it was Tariq, and it was just it, so it was it, it we had the potential to be uh, to have someone else go out and perform well. Have that punch where someone, if we needed to go out and get 25 from somebody, I'm not sure we could do that consistently. So, um, and that's that's kind of been something that has been kind of an, an, the Achilles heel for us late, lately. The last few years is just we have not had that scoring punch that we've needed, um, and because of that, we have leaned into what we do defensively. But I'm hoping that uh, through some of the newcomers we have, that we'll have a little bit better of a scoring punch this year. Coach, I don't need to remind you, but maybe for a lot of our listeners who aren't aware, the UMAC is getting a little bit younger, if you will, especially on the woman's side. I mean, you look at what Coach Carpenter, what she did last year getting her team into the tournament. You look at Coach Zabla just a few years in at North Central. Mm-hmm. 
Coach Tussler starting last year over at Crown, and then a program in Bethany where you had Coach Jones there for so long. He now yeah. no longer in the picture passes the baton, so I lead all up that to ask you, you and Call kind of feel like the old guys. I mean, who, who's going to survive the longest, if you will? Uh, yeah, we we feel like the old guys, and let me tell you, I've got him by a few years, so we know who the old guy is in the league now. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's great, and and I think both, I think Aaron would, would say the same thing, and that we are here to be support people and, and mentors to whatever degree that, uh, that the new coaches would want or need, you know. Um, I do try to reach out, and this reminds me that there's a couple I haven't reached out to yet, uh, but uh, we, we try to reach out to the new coaches and welcome them to the league and just let them know that, that you know, we're here. We've, we've been through it. If they have questions or, or concerns or want to know how something uh, works or doesn't work, that we're here for that because we've, we've been there ourselves as young coaches, and, and the, I think the best thing you can do as, as a young coach is find a, a veteran mentor that's willing to, to help you along the way. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm the old guy and and um yeah i don't have any plans to to go anywhere or do anything else so they might be stuck with me for a while love it love it coach this will be my last question for you as you get ready for the opener and just the non-conference slate it'll be here before we know it what is your biggest focus leading up to that first game from what you need to see in practice or what you're currently working on i'm sure it's a lot different versus what you would work on maybe halfway or even towards the end of the season yeah you know this in the early stages of of any season there is just so much um and that's i think why we love doing what we do but there's so much teaching involved in the game whether it's uh you know a certain offense or how we want to handle things defensively um that type of thing so there is there is that that extra teaching of of just information that you need as a baseline as you get into the season um and and we're a, a team that that typically builds as we go, right? We we will certainly be, uh, should be, um, as most teams hope to be, a, a certainly a better team in January than we than we are in October and November, and we should be a better team in, in the middle of February than we were in the middle of January. And part of that is just learning more about ourselves, and and part of it is just the the building process that we do, adding a little thing here and there. Um, but as that, with that as a backdrop, I think you know the things that we continue to try to do and try to accomplish is just that building of of I'll use I guess the overword use of word of culture and to me that's just what environment are you creating and I want to make sure that that on a daily basis that we are creating a positive um, uplifting supportive supportive environment for all of our players and and one in which they feel that um, that they can succeed in and you know I, I tell my players all the time that that we're going to make mistakes. The only thing I ask is that that we make aggressive mistakes. Make it at a thousand miles an hour, right? And 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 let's let's learn to not make that same mistake a third and fourth time. Yeah, we might make it a couple times, and that's fine. But let's learn from it. Let's move on. Uh, but let's make them aggressive mistakes. So I think you know, a couple of those things. Just the the teaching that goes into it is awesome. Uh, but then with that as as kind of a backdrop is just that continuation of of making sure we are who we want to be, um, and, and we do that on a daily basis. 
I have written that one down, Coach. Making aggressive mistakes. I like that. I will. Uh, I'll use that from time to time, and we'll talk about that throughout this season. So. I'll wrap with this. Uh, we've asked this to coaches to finish up a couple conversations so far this offseason, and I just love the input that we get from asking the question of what's your why and maybe how that's changed over the years and now you having a daughter with the program. And we know you're plugged into Cougar Sports all the time, whether it's you know reaching out to myself and or Wyatt, you're letting us know I'm plugged into Cougar Baseball in the spring and the run they went on last year. You're watching – Cougar soccer and a couple of your players, you know, going out and competing on the pitch in the fall, you're all about Morris athletics. And so I know you talk about relationships and you love that, but it shows. So all that rambling way to say, what is your why for continuing to do this so many years later? What keeps you going with something that I'm sure can be a grind from time to time, if you will? Yeah, you know, um, you mentioned so many years later, and, and I think that's where I need to, to start with this. And um, this is my 18th season here at University of Minnesota Morris. I am absolutely 100% blessed uh, to have gotten the job in the first place and, and to to still have the job now. And one thing I decided that, that I wanted to do when I got this job, uh, my wife and I moved here. We had a one-year-old daughter at that time um, that obviously came here along with us. And, and when I took this job over, my vision, my focus uh, was solely on building the type of program that I'd want my daughter to be a part of. And not knowing if that was ever going to happen or even if we'd be here at that time, but that's the lens through which I looked at everything. I looked at how I planned practice. I looked at um, how I conducted myself. I looked at uh, how I recruited and and the the people that I surrounded myself with and, and the people that I brought into the program. And so originally my why was, was just to make sure that I was, I was building the type of, of program that I would welcome my own daughter into because uh, when it came down to it, I had 12 or 15 other people's daughters in my program that that's how they were looking at it. And so um, being a, a, a girl dad myself, um, I, that's really the lens through which I looked at it. And since that time, you, know, you go back to the why, is when you do that and you, you build those relationships with the players that come in, the great stuff happens after they leave, right? Because when they're here, you're just so wrapped up in those types of things. And, and we do uh, really focus on, on environment and family. We have Family Day in our program uh, which is just awesome. Uh, we encourage our, our families to travel with us when we go. And when I mean with us, I mean with us. We give them our hotel information and encourage them to stay with us. We can continue to bond as a as a basketball family. Uh, whereas I know some programs don't want the families anywhere near them when they, when they go on the road. And that's okay too. I'm not saying ours is the right way. That's just the way we choose to go about our business. And but with that, I think the the real cherry on top is is after they leave the program and and two years, five years, ten years later, they're still calling you and they're they're inviting you to to their wedding and they are uh, letting you know when they get that job or or they're they're sending a, a thank you letter for that reference uh, call or, or letter that you you made on their behalf and I think there's so much more to it than than just the basketball aspect we. We have a real opportunity in what we do. We are blessed to do what we do in that we can impact so many people. And I do not take that lightly. And, you know, we, we want to be a, a culture of character and to really stress doing the right thing all the time. And I think doing the right thing all the time 
uh, leads you to these types of, of relationships that, that you do hear from someone 10 years after they are, are out of the program. And I know that was a really long-winded answer, and I apologize for that, but I, I wanted to, to start that with what my original why was, and that was to, to build the type of program that I'd want my own daughter in, and, and now she's here, and I'm incredibly blessed to be in that position and uh, to just continue to hear from, from those that have been through the program now for, for 17 years, going on 18, and, and still have the relationships that I do with, with so many of them. So um, absolutely blessed again to do what I'm doing and, and uh, just so fortunate. No apology necessary, Coach. That was a fantastic answer. That's maybe the best I've gotten to that question, so that's why I ask it. And nearly two decades in, but uh, Wyatt and I can hear that you're not slowing down one bit, and now uh, we hope <laughs> you're still in the league for, for a lot while longer. So, again, thank you so much for the time and the genuine conversation and your honesty and everything. It, it screams through the microphone. So, again, appreciate your time, and uh, best of luck this upcoming season. You know, we'll uh, be staying in touch and hope to get you back when we get uh, into the thick of conference play and maybe talk a little more X's and O's and whatnot. Appreciate you guys for everything you do. And yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys down the road. Appreciate it. Thank you.